Well, guys, let's go ahead and, and get started. I know that there are a variety of different uh, people who may be uh, still searching their way, uh, but I want to be true and honor to the time uh, that we will have together in our sharing. Let's open up in a word of prayer. Eternal God, we are so at all at how much you care and love us. And I'm reminded even in our quiet time this morning, as you whisper softly to us just how much you love us. And so, Father, we don't ever want to lose that passion. We don't ever want to lose the fact that it was you who changed our lives, that we were heading in the wrong direction, without life, without purpose, without hope. But, Father, you've now given us a new reason for being, a new reason for living. You change lives. And for that, dear Father, we say thank you. Thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. And we'll be mindful to give you all of the glory. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. My name is Ken Ellis and I serve at the North American Mission Board. I serve uh, in the area of personal evangelism. I'm the team leader uh, for Uh, personal evangelism now has been known as GPS or God's plan for sharing and uh, but it it it, it really involves a variety of of different evangelism initiatives Uh, we also have responsibility for if you come to the Southern Baptist Convention we have responsibility for the crossover event that happens prior to our convention as well as we have interfaith uh, evangelism in terms of how do you understand in sharing Uh, your faith across various bridges that might be of another faith group. How do you, how do you as a believer share your faith to someone who may believe, uh, as a Jehovah witness believe or as a Mormon believe or as, uh, atheist for that matter? How do you cross the bridge? And so we have resources, uh, that's called, uh, barriers and bridges where you are able to understand what those barriers are, but yet build bridges because it's not enough just to go across the bridge. If you don't share your faith. And so we have tools and resources in terms of helping you how to do that. But I also give leadership what what we've called God's plan for sharing. It's a 10 year evangelism initiative in terms of how do we encourage every believer to share and every uh, person to hear a gospel presentation by the year 2020. It is a bold strategy, but we believe that our God is a bold God. And we believe that he has called us here for such a time that we would be about the business of, of, of opening up our mouths and, and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. And so since, hence, that's why I put that really, we, we are a ministry of changed lives. We, we, we are the ones whom God, I don't know why he decided to do it. I don't know why he decided to take broken vessels. And he, the Bible said, being the potter. He mends us and he molds us. And that old favorite song that talks about that thou art the potter and what we are the clay. Mold us and make us in thy own special way. And so God has a plan for sharing. And his his plan is that he wants us, he wants believers to tell unbelievers and those in Judea, in in Samaria, in Jerusalem, to the uttermost parts of the world that our our Savior saves, what it is rooted in. Uh, th- these passages of Scripture here is kind of what I, is kind of what I stand on my ministry, because I see that the plan that God has given us to share is really rooted in the life works of Jesus, as seen in Luke's Gospel, as seen in the Book of Romans, and as seen in Acts one and eight. And you all may already be familiar with these passages of Scripture, but of course you know the passage of Scripture that comes there in Luke 4, 18 and 19, where Jesus is now making his inarguable stand on ministry. He's now ready to do what he has been called here to do. And you know the passage of Scripture, though some is cut off, that he says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And to heal the brokenhearted and to preach deliverance to those who are captive and the recovery of the sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised that this might be the acceptable year of the Lord. 
And here is where I kind of hinge my life transformation. I, I talked about being changed lives, but Romans 12, 1 and 2 is, is the scripture that, and I hope you have a life verse, a, a verse that you stand on in, at, as you are remembering what God has done for you. Romans 12, 1 and 2 is mine. Is Paul is writing this to a church at, at, at Rome. Of course, you know, at this particular time, uh, you know, he, he's writing to a, a people whom he's not ever met yet. And so he write this letter to them as his own testimony. I beseech you, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. Then that becomes what your reasonable act of service. Here, here it is for me. But don't be what? Conform to this world. But be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. And, and that's what God did for me. And I, I, I always like to stand on that word transform. That word transform, of course, uh, those of you who, who have studied Greek, you know that that is where we get our English word metamorphosis from. It comes from that Greek word, Greek word metamorpho where we get metamorphosis that talks about a wonderful and marvelous change. Something happened to me. And now I am no longer the same. I tell people everywhere I go is it almost gives the, the analogy of, of, of a butterfly who in its destination is flying in its tomorrow, but that's not how it began. You know the thing about a butterfly, you understand that it began as a caterpillar. It crawls among the leaves of the trees and it is, it's, 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 it's worldview is head in by the limitation of a limited world. But then God has a work has a plan for the, for the caterpillar. Draws him into a cocoon so much so that now when he comes forth, he's no longer crawling, but now he's flying into his destiny. That's, that's how my life was. I played basketball at West Kentucky University way back in the day. And in playing ball, I lived my life for the game. I mean, I mean, I mean, I came from Florida, went to Kentucky. And in Kentucky, you know, basketball is religion. And, and, and you, and, and, and I, mean, we, I mean, we used to get up and just play basketball at midnight. You know, we were one of the first ones. University of Kentucky started it in the state and in Louisville and in Western Kentucky. But we were, we, we were so anxiously waiting for the season to start. We, we would start practice at 12.01 a.m. when the NCAA said that it was time to practice. We would have thousands of people who would show up just on that night just to watch us practice. And how many of y'all know that that'll kind of go to your head a little bit? You got those kind of people who are worshiping ball, and, and that was my life. And I never shall forget, I came home uh, after one particular game, and I was standing in front of my mirror, and I had had a decent game, and I, but I was standing in front of my mirror, and, 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 and I'm telling you, I sensed the Spirit of the Lord, did not know him, was not raised in a spiritual home, did not have anything, of, know anything about God. My, my, my mama was not a Christian. My, my daddy was not a Christian. Uh, we didn't go to church. And so I don't know why he chose me, but I heard him in my dorm room said, I got something more for you to do. There was no other Christian ball players on my team. I don't know why he chose me, but I heard him say, I got something more for you. And in my dorm room, in front of the mirror, I dedicated my life to the Lord, and I have never, ever been the same again. He changed me, all right? And that's where I, that's where I stand on my life verse. Then, of course, you know the last passage of Scripture, Acts 1 and 8, said that when you go, when you do what you do, when you witness, you're not doing it alone, but you shall receive power that, 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 that to tell my people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. And so here's what I've come to a conclusion about, that evangelism is not an option for the church. It's not an option for individuals. It is a mandate to the church. And what I've also discovered is that one of the reasons why sometimes evangelism becomes so hard is that we, hit, we put our hat on the great commission, but I've discovered that it was the great commandment that compels me. That the great commandments of the love of the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself in my comfort zone, in my places of not feeling worthy, in my place of not sometimes wanting to worship. I, I realized that it was because he loved me. 
And that if the great commandment precedes the great commission, Paul says, I do what I do not because that I always want to do it. Oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? I I do what I do because I'm compelled by the love of Christ. Something happened to me. I was changed. And so evangelism then does not become an option for the church. It does not become an option for you and I. It's a man you go you there for Tell somebody about Jesus. Why? Why why must we do that? Well, because I found out that the Bible teaches us that Christians who are on mission for God, we should be the incarnation of the gospel that we say that we proclaim. I said the Bible says that for those of us who are Christians, we ought to be the incarnation of the gospel that we say we proclaim. Paul says there in 1 Corinthians 9, 22, that I've learned how to be all things to all people that I might do what? That I might just win some. I've learned in whatsoever state I am, I've learned how to be all things to all people because just like what Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. Paul said, listen, we, we ought to be the incarnation. In other words, we, we, ought to, we ought to be walking and living the Bible that we say we proclaim. Uh, I tell the members of our church, I'm not so concerned about how high you jump on Sunday morning. I want to see how straight you walk on Monday morning. I want to see, is he, is he real out in your neighborhood? Is he the incarnation? Is he living on the inside of you? The Bible teaches us that we ought to be on mission and the incarnation of the good news. Of course, you know that word gospel is, is good news. We're not telling bad news. We're telling good news. I tell young preachers all the time as, as we come across the pulpit, you know, uh, uh, be reminded of the fact that when you preach that gospel, it, it, it's good news. That it has the power to change. That anybody who comes in contact with the word of God, the good news, they can never be the same again. Huh? Y'all got a witness in here? I know I'm preaching to the choir. Huh? But I, I, y'all, y'all claim y'all never been changed. I'm saying that anybody in anything that comes in contact with the good news of Jesus Christ, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. They can never be the same again. Don't, don't believe me. Ask the man who was blind sitting by the side of the road. You call him blind Bartimaeus. In my Bible, he, he's not blind anymore. Well, what about the brother who was sitting at the pool of Bethesda? Huh? He, he was laying there for 38 years, but, but, but the word came by. Somebody said, but the Bible said it was Jesus. But don't you know that Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus? The Bible said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word what? It was God. So the word is God. Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. Jesus is the word and the word is Jesus. I'm rapping, but y'all don't understand. Jesus is the word. That's all I got. That's, all, that's, that's, for, that's for this crowd over here. All right. He is the word. And the word is Jesus. And when you come in contact with Jesus, you can never be the same again. And Herod tried to tell the wise men to go and find out where the birth child was born. And, and they went, of course, they said they wanted to go and worship him, but they had alternative motives. And when they went there, the Bible said that when they got into his presence and they saw the Christ child, they could not walk in the same way they walked out. The Bible said that, 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 that when they left, they had to go home another way. And that's what happens when you come in contact with Christ. You, you come in walking one way, but you got to leave another way. I tell the members of our church, stop telling people when you give your life to Jesus, I made a 360 degree turn. No, baby, if you just make a 360 degree turn, you just started right back where you started from. No, it's a 180 degree turn. I'm walking what? Another way. I'm not doing the things I used to do. I don't talk the way I used to talk. I don't, huh? I don't, I don't walk the way I, I used to walk. I tell the members of our church, I said, listen, now you shouldn't be talking the same way today that you did before you knew him. Huh? Huh? You, you, I, I tell, don't, don't, if you're going to cuss, don't cuss in the parking lot. Huh? Let your, let your talk be differently. You ought to be talking differently. You ought to be walking differently because anything that comes in contact with Jesus can never be the same again. I said anything. Huh? Because you know the story when Jesus was, had his first miracle, he was at a party. That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus knew how to get his party on. Huh? He, uh, well, his first miracle was at a wedding. 
And, and I know they were having a good time because the Bible said that the wine ran out. I know we all Southern Baptists, so we know that it was just Welch's grape juice spiked up. But whatever it was, Wayne, it, it, it ran out. And the Bible said his mama came to him and said, boy, that's how my mama would talk to me. She said, we ran out of wine. And Jesus said, what you bother for me for, mom? She said, go get some more wine. And the Bible said that, he, that, that uh, she told the service, whatever he tell you to do, do it. And uh, he said, well, go get me some water in some buckets. And they go and they get the water in the buckets and they bring it back to Jesus. I told you that anything and everything that comes in contact with Jesus has to change. And, and using my preacher imagination, can't you imagine that water in that bucket? When it looked up, H2 hunched O. And O said, man, why are you hunching me? And, and, and H2 said, man, look up. And when H2 looked up and when O looked up and they saw that it was Jesus, that water was so excited that it blushed. Come on now. Now some of y'all will get that when you go home a little later. Because anything and everything that comes in contact with you. Now you could use that one time and give me credit. Next time it's yours. Uh, anything and everything that comes in contact with that good news has to change, okay? Number two, number two, Christians ought to be models of that transformation. We, we ought to be models of that transformation. I already told you Romans 12, 1 and 2, but another scripture I hang my verse on is 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 says that we ought to be models of the spiritual transformation that we have. You, you know the scripture, if any man be in Christ, he's what? He's a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, not some things, but all things have now become anew. And then number three, we talked about that Christians ought to be the expression of God's love. And you find that scripture reference in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven through 38. We ought to be the expressions of God's love. That we ought to be able to teach people that just how God has loved us. God's plans for sharing is a plan of good news. That he loved us. Huh? Even sometimes when we feel unlovable, even sometimes when we feel as if we are not worthy of his mercy and his grace. Do you all know that God loves you more than you can ever know? And that's why Jesus said you can take all of the Old Testament, you can take all of the New Testament and hinge them on this scripture. To love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. I minister to a whole lot of people who don't love themselves. And not in an egotistical way. They don't love themselves. And I've discovered that if you don't love yourself as God loves you, then you can't love your neighbor. If you can't love your neighbor, then you can't love God. If you can't love Paul and Anne and Mary Sue and Joe and all these folks we see around us every day, James reminds us that, that our religion is, is in vain. For how can you say you love God whom you've never seen and can't love your neighbor who you see every day? It is contingent upon the fact that I have expression of love. All right? Next. God's plan for sharing. Here are the faces we drive by every single day. We see them and they're lost. We see them and they are eternally, if they don't accept Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, would be separated from the Lord. All right? So what do we need? Here's the battle cry. Every believer has to share. Every person has to hear a gospel, present, a gospel presentation. And we, and we hinge that on four biblical mileposts. And the thing I love about GPS and, and this plan in terms of, of how do we get out of our comfort zone and how do we share is that, number one, we got we to gotta pray. Every church, every church person has to be praying. I, I hope you do that every day. I, I hope there, that there's somebody who you are praying for on an everyday basis. As a matter of fact, uh, one of the uh, uh, things my, my office uh, puts out, I hope you carry this. Uh, maybe about three or four years or so ago, we had this little saying, uh, that was who's in your wallet. And, it's, and, it, and it was a little prayer card that we have in our office that, that you put three people on this, three lost people on this card, and you're praying for them one time each day for six days. 
And of course, back in a few years or so ago, it was a little popular because, you know, they had this little saying, you know, what's in your wallet? And so we came out with a little card and said, well, who's in your wallet? And they're lost people who you are praying for every single day. And, and we are trying to encourage that every member, everybody who know him, are you praying for your uncles and for your aunties and for your daddies and for your, or your daddy, let me say, for your daddy and for your mom and for people who are around you? What about people in your office building? What about people when you go up to the Starbucks and get your uh, caramel macchiato skinny uh, with, with, uh, with a whip on the top? Uh, are you praying for the, your barista? Are you praying for people in the grocery line? This thing is all about us connecting one with the other. And then, e- and then equipping every believer, sharing their faith as they go about their daily business. And every lost person receiving a witness. And then harvest time, a celebration time. You know what? I tell people all the time, listen, if I go to another church... And uh, someone comes down the aisle and give their life to the Lord and people just sit there and clap like this. I'm going to lose my mind. Uh, when, 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 when God grabs somebody from the eternal hills of pit and when we are there and they come down the aisle, baby, you ought to be celebrating. You ought to be getting your party on. You ought to be, it ought to be a high time. I don't know how you do it, but the Bible said that the, the angels in heaven rejoice just when one. That's what the parable of the lost coin and the lost sheep is all about. Angels in heaven rejoice just when one give their life to the Lord. How dare we sit there and someone has now stepped out of darkness into light and, and, and we forget how it was that they were eternally on their way to hell and now they'll make it that bold move they're coming down the aisle saying I repent Lord I give my life to you we all will be celebrating we all will be high-fiving we all will be going because I want you to know when I was out in the world when I went to a party nobody had to tell me to get my party on it came naturally I used to get ready for the party on Monday night for Friday because I came up during the disco era huh Right there in Orlando, Florida. I came up during the disco era, and we were known for our bright colors. And you couldn't just wake up. I got two Floridians, Brother Wayne over there. I, I got, I, you just couldn't wake up on, on, on Friday morning and try to coordinate your wardrobe in the 70s. Uh, it took some effort to be able to coordinate some light blue bell-bottom pants with an orange flannel shirt. You couldn't just throw that together. You had to coordinate it. And uh, I used to get ready for the party. And uh, I'm, I play ball, like I told you. I'm six foot four now. Brother LeBron, I'm telling you, but when I was in 1978, I was seven foot two. I done shrunk because I used to wear some shoes back in the day. Huh? And we, and we called them what? Platform shoes. Huh? Y'all don't know nothing about that, but, 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 but they added about six inches onto my height. And so that made me about six foot ten. But then on top of that, when you added them six inches on my six foot four frame, uh, the shoes made me 6'10", but then I had an afro. I used to go down to the five and dime and get a blowout kit. Do y'all know anything about a blowout kit? It, and, uh, and, and a major afro come out. I'm telling you, I was seven foot two. And I used to walk in the club, man, and, and you know, trying to, trying to be cool on platform shoes and trying to lean. You know, back in the day, guys, y'all know that. But, you know, we had to walk with a lean. Y'all don't know that. You know, you know, you had to walk with a swag. You had to have a little lean up on you. And uh, I would go in the club, and, 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 and the strobe lights would be shining and bright. And, and I never shall forget, on one occasion, in and around midnight, the DJ would come to the loudspeaker, and he would say, how y'all feel? If you feel all right, say yeah. If you feel all right, say yeah. Then he would say this. Now, wave your hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care. Yeah, me, and, me, me and Pastor Pig was in the same club. Just wave your hand in the air and, and wave them like you just don't care. I was in the world lost. In the world, on my way to hell. In the world with no purpose, no plan, no destiny. Talking about waving my hands in the air. Well, when God rescued me in 1982, I promised him that I would, I would do no less for him now than what I did out in the world. If I acted a fool for the world, I'm going to act a fool for him. If I wave my hand in the world, the Bible said, enter into his gates with thanksgiving in your heart. Enter into his courts with praise. Oh, magnify the name of the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I come in the house ready to get my praise on because he's done too much for me.
celebrate, celebrate, celebrate. So here's what I want to do now. I, I, I know sometimes, sometimes in, 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 in classes like this, that there is no practical application. Sometimes we can just look at stuff on a page in terms of a process of how do you engage your church and how do you engage individuals to be about celebrating with the Lord. And so I've invited a special guest. I've invited a pastor uh, who's going to come and share uh, his story of how his church got engaged with GPS, how his church moved from beyond the pews and worked in line with an association in terms of, of how do you move people to share their faith. Pastor Michael Pig, who is a pastor of Philadelphia Baptist Church uh, in Lithonia, Georgia. That's one of the suburbs here in the Atlanta, Georgia area. You're in Woodstock now. Lithonia, Georgia is just on the uh, western side of, uh, of Atlanta. And so I've asked Pastor Pig to come and share and talk with us just a little bit of how he mobilized his church and working with association in terms of uh, God's plan for sharing. Come on, Pastor Pig. Amen. You, but you've been transformed. Over there. <laughs> uh, good evening. Uh, one of the things he, uh, that that uh, myself and and about eighty other pastors were dropped a bomb onto. You know, it's like a, the the plane flew overhead and just dropped a bomb on us. That's what Nam did. They flew over the top of our area, our association, and dropped the bomb. Here's GPS and just tell us what you think of it and how you worked it. They didn't give us a plan. They didn't write down anything. And so it was good that they didn't because most of the time when they tell you how to, you can't do it. You know, it's like reading Korean and the only thing you know is English. Uh, but it was uh, our association of pastors, they drafted me as the chairman of GPS. Now, why they do that? <laughs> so, so, uh, what, what did they do in the Bible? They called a prayer meeting. <laughs> you know, they were surrounded by the enemy called a prayer meeting. We did that in the form of a retreat. And uh, one of the outstanding things, I will remember this testimony till I die, is that uh, we have had pastoral retreats in our association before. Uh, and maybe 40% or 10, 43, you know, you know. But for this one, I don't know what it was. It must have been because they dropped the bomb on us. We had 86% of our pastors attend this retreat, which was just wild. It blew our association of missionary away. Like, man, uh, do I have enough housing for everybody? <laughs> that kind of thing. We uh, unraveled uh, the package, and, and here's what happened. Uh, we were a combination of uh, multi-ethnic pastors, combination of church planters, and then about seven heavy, well-established pastors. And you know what I mean by that. You know, the guys who, who you kiss the ring when they show up. Because uh, <laughs> <so laughs> we're grateful for their giving to the association because it helps the, the smaller churches out. <laughs> so, you know, we make sure that they're accommodated. They get the gold seats and everybody else get the metal seats. And so, but everybody's in the room. And, and with that, um, we just went into prayer for about two hours, which, an, which is another big thing. Pastors praying for two hours? Wow. <laughs> and if somebody needed, we, we did put that down in the historical record and put it in a frame at our next uh, annual meeting. But here's what came out of it that was so golden. Uh, we came out with a specific plan to make it not a plan. And I know that sounds crazy, but so often we get the how-to list of doing something and you, it just doesn't fit who you are. So we needed something that didn't have a face, but it did have a face. Something that had a plan, but was not a plan. Something that would capture the, the theme of what should happen. But at the same time, you don't go step one, step two, step three, step four, step five, none of that. So here's what we did. We worked from the backwards forward and said our goal is to reach, and we came up with a number. Our goal was to plant, and we came up with a number. The number of churches we came up with was six. Uh, 
we had another goal, and that was every believer in our church will participate in whatever God is leading our church to do. And that's the way we took off, and we started with prayer. Um, the way I was raised, I was raised in a church that still had a prayer meeting. So the prayer, you know, I grew up with it, so it wasn't a big thing for me, but it was a big thing for the congregation that I now led. Uh, I came here to lead a 130-year-old Anglo church into a transition. Uh, so if you can imagine, uh, that was fun. It was. It was fun. <laughs> I learned a lot of things, like always keep a bag packed in the garage when it's time to know. But uh, we came up with a plan how to get everyone to start praying. That wasn't easy uh, because I was with a congregation who wanted to do everything in one hour. Um, now we do things more than an hour now. Amen. I blackenized them. Anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> so what I did, I got rid of the evening service and lengthened the morning service. So they agreed that they were getting two services in one. They just didn't know that was the fake out. But when we started praying, we, we did prayer in three ways. Number one, a lay person would pray every morning worship. Number two, we issued the same cards that Brother Ken held up, and I said, the challenge is a reality of praying. Uh, the reality of praying, you come up with three names. You have to be honest with God and with yourself. If you don't know three people, do not put anybody on the card. Don't make up a name. Don't put Mickey Mouse on there and Donald Duck. Um, be truthful because we wanted 100% praying. Now, prayer was our challenge to make these other things happen. Here's what really happened. Well, in our children's department, they spent four Sunday school lessons on prayer. And so the kids started praying for lost friends and families. When they got to their dinner tables at home, they would immediately do what they do in church and start calling names out, and they were turning to mom and dad, who are you praying for? Whoa. <laughs> You're talking about being pricked in the heart. All of a sudden, I'm getting emails and phone calls. I need to figure out how to get names on my car because <laughs> I'm not going to be embarrassed by my child anymore. Another thing we did, we would have an intentional card altar call. We still do that to this day. Nobody in the church knows when I'm going to do it. I say, okay, let's bring our cards to the altar. Let's hold them up high. Guess what? What happens if you can't hold up a card? That's not to really embarrass anybody, but it is. Yeah. How come you're not praying for lost people? That's what, that doesn't require sermon. That's a question now that's been planted in their heart and head. Our goal is 100% true believers praying for lost people. Do you know how excited God will get for that? It did not cost our church anything to put a prayer strategy into the church. I did not call in a, a prayer guy from the state convention. I did not have a prayer retreat. I didn't, you know, I didn't do anything. It didn't cost us a dime. Now, that's important. I believe in the no-cost frills thing. It didn't cost us a dime to start a prayer strategy. The second thing from that is when our pastors began to pull together and say, what are we going to do? We picked Easter as our target for harvesting. I told you we worked from the bottom up. We're, we're going to make Easter, and two months after Easter, our harvesting go. Because of summer, everybody always does something anyway, VBS, revivals, etc. So that was our goal. How do we get there if there are some churches who hadn't had a revival in 10 years? How do you get there if you got some churches, you know, who haven't baptized anybody in five years? Well, we created regions. Our church and four other churches in the same area, we literally, the pastors just got together and say, if this is going to be our target goal, 
what are the things that we can glean from that will make us one church? Now, this is unheard of. <laughs> These are four pastors. I, of course, we're never in competition, are we? Never. Yeah. These are four pastors in the same five-mile radius. Five Southern Baptist pastors in the same five-mile radius are literally talking about how do we become one church. Well, at that time, NAM had a website and a program called Find It Here that still exists. We put on our cards on one side. It was our church identification. On the other side, it was Find It Here. Uh, so therefore, all of us was one church on one side of the card. And on the other side of the card, it was our personal church identification, times of services, et cetera, et cetera. No matter where we were, what region that we were in, all four churches are listed on the card. And every door in that five-mile radius, which was like something like 3,100 houses, something like that, had a door hanger with the Find It Here campaign. Now, how did that happen? Every church was challenged to produce 100 foot soldiers to hand out door hangers on two given Saturdays. Do you know how hard it is? I said, well, that's unfair because, you know, Heritage, Heritage Hills, which was about two miles from us, man, look, you, you got us outnumbered 20 to 1. So it's easy for you to get 100. He said, you think so? <laughs> I knew that was a hard number for anybody. And I said, well, that means you're almost getting half of our congregation to go, and that's including the ones who stay stay in the bed sometimes. Uh, And so uh, we agreed to the 100. And you know what happened? It was crazy. It's a God thing. I had 100. Heritage had about 200. Rockdale Baptist had like 120. I said, what is going on here? Uh, too many people are agreeing. I, I, that's, that's impossible. Now, remember, while we did, the pastors got together and prayed. How are we going to do this inexpensively? Nam gave us the bags free. Nam gave us the, the cardstock free. Heritage Hills printed them up. Uh, our church chopped them up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's really crazy. So we do that. Here's the result in a nutshell, and then I, I need you to ask me a couple of questions so I can really put some meat on the bones. Here's what happened. I'm going to give you three regions of our association. In ours alone, when we did the bag campaign and all of the prayer walking, which was done over a period of six weeks, every week with the four churches, every one of those communities was prayer walked. In the shopping center strip near where, where our churches are located, which is Conyers, Georgia, if you, uh, maybe one day you have the blessing of stopping there, you know, have some great chicken there. That's about it. <laughs> there was this little strip, and there's, we had some, some people, these persons came out of my church who could not prayer walk. You know, they had some disabilities overweightness. And so they said, Pastor, I got this great idea. And you know what it was? They literally took some lounge chairs, put them down on the sidewalk at the little shopping center strip and made two posters and says, hope you have a wonderful day today. We are praying for you as you shop. And I said, wow, I never thought of that. But they literally sat there and people stopped by and just ask them, you're just praying for us? And, you know, of course, when somebody stops by and say something to you, what does that give you a chance to do? <clears throat> that gives you a chance to give a little small witness and give, give them the card. Yeah, here, you can find it here. You know, uh, come to our church, whatever. I, you know, we didn't teach them to have no fancy presentation because nobody talks fancy anymore. People think you're trying to sell them some shoes if you do. So, um, so they did that. That was the best prayer sit-in that I have ever seen in my life. The, the net result of something like that all of a sudden not only filled our churches, but it led for our four churches, it led to 56 decisions of faith. 
just on that one Sunday. Now you say, well, everybody packs out the church on Easter, but is it an evangelistic Easter service from a result of intentional prayer walking? Now that was just in our little four sections. In all, our association had 286 candidates for baptism on that one occasion, on that one concentrated event. Our celebration, which Harvesting teaches, and I'm Please never do this. Don't have an event. Have a celebration. Never have any more events from this day on. Have a celebration. Anytime Christians come together, it ought to be to celebrate and not to have an event. So when we came together, we had a mass baptism. We did it in First Baptist Conyers parking lot. We baptized 286 that day under every, it seemed like every nationality under the sun. We had a good time. I was the MC. I taught them some Negro spirituals. I taught them how, how to rap. Yeah, I mean, we were doing some good stuff that day. It, it was fun. We had the hot dogs and the root beer because, you know, we had to have some kind of beer. It was hot. Anyway, <laughs> but, but it was just a good time. I, it's not recorded. Anyway, <laughs> so, it was a good time, but it was 286. Now, how did it really happen? It happened because the pew was mobilized. It wasn't pastors. It was the pew. Uh, there was a little small things that went forward, like Easter egg drops, Easter egg hunts, uh, little uh, uh, face painting events, you know, just things for children, things for family, over and over and over again. But the plan was praying, equipping, sewing, making sure that the community know that you exist, and harvesting. Big thing was we planted seven churches and not six. Uh, just in our four churches, we planted one church unexpectedly, and that was a church of Dominicans. Um, and it was that, that one caught us way off guard. We, we really didn't have the money to fund it yet, but here, here it was. It was before us, and it's almost like one of those uh, Book of Acts things, what should we do? <laughs> so somebody said, start a church, and, and, you know, I put my hands in my pockets. You know, okay, I'm for it. Well, yeah. <laughs> Not to pull nothing out, just to make sure nobody reached into it. But anyway... <laughs> But we did. That church is very successful now, thriving well. Uh, it's just a blessing of God. GPS allows our church to have evangelistic consciousness in all that we do. And that's what it did for us. Uh, it was not a program. It was a way of church life and living. Uh, it helps your church birth new congregations because you're thinking of the loss. It helps your church continue to grow in the fear of God and in the statutes of Jesus Christ simply because prayer is at the forefront and the foundation of all that it does. Um, it, is, it, it, it would be impossible, maybe I shouldn't say that word, but I have not seen a true successful church being planted, launched, or rebirthed. What's another word we throw in there? Or... Um, revived without prayer at the forefront and a consciousness of the true believers in Christ having a zeal for lost souls. I, I just have not seen it I, unless somebody can really point it out to me that it can happen another way. GPS helps that happen. And um, it's one of those things that I said is, one of the best things since banana pudding, it really is, uh, because there's resources already printed for it. There's help aids already given, and it's something that you can do in your church and establish it without a big, huge budget. It really does work. Uh, one of the things that uh, our church is doing this Sunday, we call it Holy Convocation. That's a word that we don't use in the Baptist church. Uh, we call them solemn services in the Baptist church, right? I don't like that. It sounds like you come and go to sleep. 
Uh, <laughs> so I say holy convocation because that's what the Pentecostals call it. And so not that I'm trying to make the church Pentecostal, but I do want some life up in there. And so <laughs> we're coming together. And one of the great things there that, that people are coming and the challenge that our prayer team issued to the church, not for three names this, this Sunday, but ten. And I'm just waiting to see what's going to happen from that, you know, people coming together. It's just for our church, but we're coming as a church, holy convocation, rededicating our freshness as the fall, vacation is over, traveling is over, school is about to start, just to rekindle our spirits for the push on for the rest of the year and bring in 10 names. Quite frankly, I only have seven right now, so I got to find three before Sunday. That would be, because remember, with integrity, we really know the persons that we're praying for. And that's the whole point. We have made contact with these persons. All right. Anybody want to ask me something? I did a whole blurge and not a real concentration. Anybody have tried GPS where you are? Have you tried GPS where you are or do you know of a church? Okay, you have. Did you like it? Amen, amen. And that, that, that's the value that I've kept, kept pointing to in GPS. What has been missing over the last few years, we have become a body of believers that are actually led from the top. Well, we, I know we don't like to believe that we are, but the pastor and the staff does too much, way too much. What Can I say that again? Way too much. If you're a church planner, and you're going at it alone, you're doing way too much. And I'm glad everybody's team-focused now, core group-focused, all that good stuff. But these first two is the life of your success. God, God favors this. And, you know, that, that's why Dr. Ellis spent so much time talking about it's a plan wrote by Jesus Christ himself. God, God favors this. And if this is in the fabric of your group of believers, your core group, uh, those members who are definitely sold out for Christ, then you're going to see some positive reaction from what's going on in the life of your church simply because they are grounded in where God is going. Remember the old term from Henry Blackaby, see where God is working and join him at it? Well, this is, we pointed out this is what God is doing, uh, praying. That's the keys to the kingdom. Uh, equipping every believer literally living out what they are learning from the Word of God. And, and, and you can't beat that kind of formula. You, you grow your church with that kind of formula. Uh, you sustain your church through stewardship with this type of formula if it's in the fabric of your church. If you're, if you're doing it with three or four people, then you're going to be in the funny farm very soon. That's a good, uh, easy word for a mental hospital, in case you didn't figure that one out. (laughs) Another question. There's a, uh, we have a church that's led by a crazy pastor. He's a church plant. He's so crazy we made him moderator last year. Um, But he, he was a church plant, and they had a hard time busting 60 people. For four years, he stayed at 60. We brought GPS in. One year after GPS, can anybody tell me how many he's worshiping with now? 700. Yeah. Phil Lehman, he and I play golf almost every week. It's just crazy. You know, he's in the rock band music, you know, that's a... I, all I did was go preach there. I can, you know, I could, I could get, I said, every time they sung a, a line, I said, what did they say? You know, <laughs> how do you hear the words? But he's worshiping 700 strong now. Can't find a place to house it now. You know, we're bending over backwards trying to beg people to, to move your 10 people into the gym and let him have the worship center. <laughs> so, but uh, it, it's just really crazy. And he will tell you himself if he was standing here, GPS, uh, because he was doing it all himself, and then all of a sudden he said, oh, I can get 50 people to join me doing this, and this is how easy it is to do it. Bam! There you go. Knock the rocks off. You know, they, they, it was getting so good. They, they gave away 
uh, candy bars at Little League baseball games and soccer games. And on the wrapper had in there, hey, come and kick the ball with us at, at you know, uh, can't remember the name of his church now. Remember the name of his church? <laughs> Whatever the name of his church is now. Me, I read that. I eat the candy bars. I kick the ball. Well, I want to kick the ball at a church one. But for some reason, Frisbees and kicking the ball, boy, that crowd loved it. You know, <laughs> you know they poured out to 700. It proves it, you know. So, hey, uh, that wasn't working on my block. Uh, but for him, it did. But the whole point was, you know, all his core group, that's where they were. So if they're on the football, I mean, the soccer field and, and the uh, baseball field, why not while you're there? As, as you said, go ahead. You know, everybody wants a candy bar watching the game. Everybody wants a bottle of water or whatever it is watching the game. Doesn't hurt a thing. You know, you didn't rig up no pulpit and get a megaphone and start preaching so they can't say you disrupted. You're just helping out. That's all you're doing. Uh, I can tell stories all day, but I want to make sure that I'm really giving you information because it's my desire that you want to do GPS when you leave here. That's really my desire because I know it helps immensely. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't ask a soul. No, and you know why? Because it takes them a little while to get the right person to come out to ask you to leave. You know, not anybody can just walk out and ask you to leave. They got to go get somebody who has some kind of authority. And most of the time on Saturdays, guess what? He's on the golf course or he's gone somewhere with the family. I mean, so if, if it takes them four hours to ask you to leave, you've already stayed the time you're going to stay anyway. Say amen. Y'all know I'm right. <laughs> we were doing a campaign one time for something, and there's this one street corner that was a four-way stop. So literally everybody had to stop at that four-way stop. So what I did, I got two big banners and I uh, taped them to the fence. I know it was illegal. Amen. I, I, yes, I'm admitting the fact that I, I broke the law on purpose. But by the time that they cited it and was going to ask me to move it, my event would have happened. Amen. So I was able to get a commercial to literally every car that was stopping in two different ways at the four-way stop. And then finally, you know, I got one of the community people come knocking on my door, you know, say, well, you know, that sign you have up there is illegal. You're not supposed to put things on there. You, Oh, really? Oh, well, I tell you what, I get, get our uh, maintenance guy to come out and move it tomorrow. Is that all right? What, can you just say, no, wait, you know, right now, you know, i got things going on, but I promise you, by tomorrow, it will be gone. Well, the event was that night. <laughs> so, but I'm, I'm serious. Uh, I learned this from an, uh, an older guy who said, uh, you know, it's more respectable to apologize later than, you know, just to just blatantly hit him in the mouth up front. You know, just say, I'm sorry, and just, then fall into what the rule and the regulation is. Now, don't go out here saying, man, GPS telling you to be a lawbreaker. That's not <laughs> But I'm serious. It's a lot easier to go ahead and have an encounter for the cause of Christ. I, I learned that from the people who I don't like, you know, gay rights movement. You know, everybody I don't like, don't they get in your face and don't care? Just say yes, because they do. Why is Chick-fil-A going through what they're going through? Because they don't care. You know, we, we try to play by the rules. Yeah, do play by the rules. But understand, Jesus got in people's faith. Okay, that's what your rules say, but that he does without sin, cast first stone. Didn't Jesus get in the face and say, here it is? So I'm not saying break the law. I'm just saying bend the law. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's a good idea. There's a website that's already offered by now that you can get exhaustive ideas uh, about GPS. What's that website now? GPS2020.net. And it's got tons of ideas just like that. Um, And I feel bad telling you to be a lawbreaker. How could I clean that up? I really can't clean it up. I'm guilty. 
but Phil Levin, the guy now who's worshiping with 700, he tried to do it the legal way. He wanted to do an egg drop. He went to the city. He went to whoever. They said, oh, man, egg drop on, on We're just talking about a field that's, that's doing nothing. They didn't want to do it. You know, they, they said, no, I don't know how we can allow you to do that. We're just talking about kids having uh, an egg-finding opportunity. You know, they're plastic eggs. Uh, and uh, So there's no cooperation. So did he have his egg drop? Yes or no? Yeah, remember Phil and I are friends. <laughs> said, Phil, don't let the devil stop you. And, uh, and so uh, here's what Phil did. He found a field that needed mowing. And uh, in my church, you know, I had two uh, yard contractors. Uh, and so Phil went to the owner and said, your field looks a little high there. Do you need a cut? And the lady said, gosh, if I just find somebody willing to cut it. Phil said, well, i cut it for you. And she looked at him like, you'll cut my field for me? Yeah, yeah, won't charge you a thing. We'll just cut it for you. And uh, she, she said, who are you? You know, she, <laughs> this is a big, huge field. And, you know, she went a few rounds and Phil never said anything else. Yes, we will cut it for you. And it will not cost you a thing. Is that, is that fine? She said, okay. And, and then she said, well, I don't know how I can thank you. He said, well, if you really want to thank us, this is how you can do it. Just allow us to bring some kids onto your field to, to have an Easter egg find. Oh, the little children? Sure. You know. <laughs> so cut, cut the field, had the egg stand drop, praise the Lord. And, you know, then the city's coming in like, oh, can you bring that helicopter in over the wires and all this? So, you know, it's just crazy. But if you try to play totally by the rules, remember the devil has a system out there. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities. If you take that principalities and call it principalities, that's the word for city almost. Anyway, it's... We're wrestling against them in bad places. Amen. Am I right? Well, your observation is unfounded because the government didn't own the land. Right. Did they have an ordinance against like a helicopter or something? Yeah. Well, he he, he was just trying to get permission to to bring the helicopter in. The medical helicopters fly over and nobody say a thing. You know, if somebody had a wreck and it needed to be life flighted out, I know that's, you know, I'm not trying to really show true comparison. They would bring the helicopter in. So it's, it's not an endangerment issue. That's what, uh, I think most of the time it's just ruse to keep Christians subdued. I really do. I really do. You know, no, you can't add that to your church, you know. Uh, you know, the extra building or the extra parking lot. It, it's, 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 it's a thing now. It's, I'm seeing it more and more and more and more. Uh, they're just piling up to say what we can't do and what everybody else can do. And so, like I said, it's not breaking the law. I'm, I'm not trying to tell you to do that. Uh, but for me, like, uh, what do you call the... Distance between the road and, and a building. Easement, is that it? I want to make sure I use the right legal term. And they say, don't put a, a sign in the easement. Well, how often do you see, vote for so-and-so, so-and-so, election so yard sale, and those signs never get pulled up. But if you put up a sign that says, Jesus Christ is the way, you got everybody knocking you at the door and threatening you. If it's there for 30 more days, you're going to be fine. I'm just saying, what's good for the goose should also be good for the gander. And I said, for the time being, short span, put your sign up. Um, and not breaking the law, if they find me, guess what I would do? I would pay the fine. But all they did was ask me to take the sign down, and I said, yes, I will. That's all. I think that's pretty Christian. All right.
All right, all right. Thank you guys so much, so much. We God bless your heart. In essence, here's what we're saying. That in your ministries, do what you need to do to share your faith. God, God has put us here for such a time. This is just a process. It's just, but it's already in the Bible. We already need to get busy. And so we just want to encourage you in your place of ministry, whether you're planning a church, whether you're already an established church or working for the nomination, share your faith. Open up your mouth and let the transformed life that God has placed on the inside of us change the world. Don't you want to change the world? For Jesus Christ. Let me pray for us and dismiss us. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we love you today. We bless your name. Thank you. Bless every household here, every planter, every church planter, every pastor, every denominational worker, every believer. Lord, would, would now, would we be so reminded of what you've done for us? And now compel us to go and share our love unto a lost world. This is our prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. God bless you guys. <laughs>